0: I uh, interest you in a stamp.
1: Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry, we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. Person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you got to buy
2: live from the stamp show here today infotainment complex this is the award-winning stamp show here today if you can dream it we can collect it brought to you by the southern nevada philatelic research center a non-profit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately you can support this witless tosh by joining the stamp show here today community the cost is only ten dollars for a lifetime membership boy that's that's cheap We are an APS-affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for information on joining. This is Cash.
0: This is titular philatelist, Mark. This is Jim. This is
1: Albert.
2: And uh, yesterday, I had cataract surgery. I had a cataract removed from my left eye. And I plate U.S. number 10s and 11s and 11As and 25s and everything. And for the last many months... It's been very difficult for me to plate because I wasn't able to see the good lines. And so I thought, oh, well, you know, I need my glasses prescription updated. So I went down and they said, well, I can give you corrective glasses, but you have a cataract and that's your problem. So I said, oh, okay. So, you know, after waiting in the queue for a month, uh, yesterday I had it removed. And man, did it make an immediate difference. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> you don't realize how bad your sight is until it's corrected, I guess. <laughs> but um, it was a painless, short procedure that now I have to wait three weeks for it to heal. Um, look on YouTube or something if you want the details but it really introduced me to the optics and so i wanted to talk about what optical equipment we use because now i can go back to plating stamps because now i can see stuff better and even with a good magnifying glass and well i don't use a magnifying glass a good loop and a good uh, digital microscope it's just a world of difference now so Albert, you've been uh, expertizing the longest at the table here. What optical stuff do you <coughs> use?
1: Um, Ten power achromat, achromatic loop, twenty power achromatic loop, um, thirty power uh, thirty power close up microscope, and then a uh, full scale uh, full scale binocular microscope.
2: So you got a lot of equipment there.
1: I have a little bit more optical stuff because my dad worked on that was. Uh, when I first worked on, when I got out of engineering school, we worked on optical stuff. So I have a lot of stuff that my dad had left over that I use, including a lot of hand lenses.
2: What do? You, what is your let's call it favorite piece of equipment?
1: Probably, probably, probably uh, the binocular microscope, the best because yeah,
2: why I. Can, you, I I would say the same thing up until recently, but why don't you describe what a binocular uh,
1: scope is? it's a microscope that has two that has two eyepieces and so you're seeing like your eye does when you look through it and the only thing you have to do is since your eye since everybody's eyes have a little bit of you have to make sure that you change the uh, the setting on one of the one of the eyepieces so that so that you get perfect vision but i find that the easiest thing to use when i'm plating
0: now that but that microscope uses only one lens at the Base right, but di- but divides the picture into two. When, right. it, when correct, it, yeah, okay.
2: So yeah, it, it's the one that you see a lot in when uh, people are in the movies and they're identifying the uh, bacteria. And well, if you've watched, uh, oh, uh, any what's a good movie with <laughs> it, Contagion? It's, it's in all the yeah. scientific <laughs> like where viruses are killing everybody it, off. It, it's you in, see them looking through the. Not the microscope like you had when you were a little kid with one eye. These are two-eye microscopes.
1: Right. In other words, it was something that was in, to talk about a movie I actually went to the premiere of in 1971. I actually went to the premiere of The Andromeda Strain. Yeah. So so when they're looking at the thing from outer space, they're looking at it with an optical microscope and then with an electron microscope.
2: Well, what do you use, Mark?
1: Uh, I use a 10-power loop and
0: uh, for for looking at basically every stamp and then when I'm looking for regumming, I'll look through my 30 power uh, little mini microscope it's kind of a little plastic thing it has a has an LED that you can click on
2: yeah that's an interesting one because that is a single IPS little it's like the size of half of a cell phone
0: right yeah I mean Long the, ways. The, it's not you know it's not It's not perfect. I mean, it's all plastic lenses and stuff like that, but it's good enough for for doing the kind of detection I'm looking for.
2: What do you use, Jim?
3: I use a 10-power glass and a 30-power loop.
2: Well, I brought mine in. Um, I use, and everybody here at PSE kind of uses the same sort of thing. This is called a 10X illuminated jeweler's loop, and you can buy them on. Amazon. They have a little light source. They, they It's got LEDs in it, and you switch it on, and it gives nice light. Um, just as a note, it, like I said, it's 24 bucks. Spend an extra like 6 bucks and get a bunch of batteries because the batteries on Amazon, they literally sell them in packs of 20 because they're so cheap, whereas uh, if what I think you'll pay like $7 for a pack of 20, If you go to Walgreens, you'll pay $7 for four of them. So they're incredibly cheap. The second thing I use, and again, this is for my plating, I use a, uh, it's called a portable LCD digital microscope. And again, this is off of Amazon. These are more expensive. I think they're like $60 or $70. But this is what I use for plating it really is great um you can show about well if you look at a stamp you can put about one quarter of it on the screen at a time and so it gives you really good detail it blows that up to i uh, what, what is the size of this screen it's like four inches by six inches something like that anyway it's got really really good magnification so uh those are the two things that I mostly use. Uh, I will admit that the other day I was using an actual glass, my uh, magnifying glass, not to burn ants, but actually to look at stamps. And uh, that was uh, something interesting because I didn't even know I had it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I like to use the glass to just, um, because my eyesight is senior citizen now. <laughs> so. I like to use the glass to look at the stamp, uh, just give it a peripheral look over. Yeah. And, um, but looking for detail, you need more ma- magnification. So you either you use the jeweler's loop that you were talking about, or if I want a closer look, I have a
2: 30 power uh, loop. I rarely use my 30 power because it doesn't show enough of the stamp. When it's, it's,
1: right, the field's too small. The yeah, field is way too small. Yeah, yeah. You could see like two or three perf perf holes at a time. Yeah, that's why I like the, that's why I like the twenty because the twenty I can still see enough to actually yeah. give give reference. And uh, uh, the number one, the other thing that I'd like to mention since we're talking about optics is the other thing that's equally as important is the lighting. Oh,
2: let's go over that because that is a real
1: biggie. I mean, I use I use uh, a lot of the. Um, the LED lamps that produce the natural the natural uh, spectrum of light, but I also have I ha- also have a couple of uh, very very powerful fluorescent and also um, a couple of um, couple of halogen lights that, that actually uh, we uh, we invented and patented, and I use that to look at it. And then I also have a couple of separate ultraviolet sources uh, that are that are pretty strong um some are the ones that were used to be used at the PF years ago I actually when they when they left and got rid of some of the lamps I bought the lamps from them yeah. but but optics is uh, optics and also it's if you want something if you want something fun to do if you get up early in the morning like I do occasionally and you actually watch the sun come up wait until an hour after the sun com- comes up and then go outside and actually look at some of your stamps you'll actually see that they actually have um you, you get a different color and impression viewpoint of, of it, and it, it's actually very refreshing sometimes.
2: That is a huge thing with, again, I collect of 10s, and 11s. Um, identifying color, you want to identify it in as much natural light, and by natural light, I mean sunlight. A lot of times you will look at stamps in, you know, next to a window because under fluorescent lights, everything takes on a little bit of a bluish red tint and under incandescent they take on a reddish blue tint right so and you know like i said it'll be more red or more blue depending on the light you're using
3: well we we use put a plug in for hot lights yep because that um, is what we use here and i think the thing about on Ott light is it's not you can find them fairly inexpensively at Am- on Amazon.
2: You can so. buy ot light bulbs now because yeah. they're LED and an LED uh, I'm using finger quotes here you can't see it because it's a podcast. Uh, finger quotes LED or uh, ot light because they're not actually always put out by Ot. Ot is the name of the company. And so these are just LED lights. But if you look for LED natural light and they're not that expensive, but you don't want to have them throughout your house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, having that blue light kind of soothes everything down. Having everything bright like sunlight is uh, it's it, it gets tiresome pretty quick.
1: Some people some people have a something called seasonal afflictive disorder and i found out that i was one of them that had it my sister also found out about it i went to new york around christmas time um, in the late 80s and spent spent a month in new york and because in new york city and because of the high rises and everything i wasn't getting enough sunlight and so i was getting depressed and didn't even know it uh, what what so I called my sister about, and she said, "Oh, you need to you need to use these natural light bulbs, yep. the hot lights." And I said, "Oh, I use them occasionally. I've used <laughs> them for years at the shows." I said, "I." She said, "Carry one with you when you travel. You'll find that it changes your life a lot, oh. and it it has."
2: That's interesting because here in Las Vegas, it's kind of the opposite. We have lots of light, and you want to like at night, you know, just relax yourself down a bit. Oh, one thing I didn't mention about uh, the microscope that I use, the LCD microscope, one of the reasons that I like it is it doesn't have batteries. It, well, it has a rechargeable battery built into it. So it recharges like your cell phone does. Uh, The um, 10-power loop, that one has actual batteries that are in it, and they use up and guaranteed if you forget to turn it off once and you will forget to turn it off once mm-hmm. you will come back and you will go why is it not working it's like oh <laughs> batteries all burnt out
1: well the other problem that i found with the, with the loop is that sometimes you you put it in the case and you put it in your bag but it bounces around <laughs> your bag and it turns on and you don't know about it until you went you are at a show and you want to use it and it doesn't work and you go what happened and then you, you check in the batteries are dead and it makes a big difference
2: when you burn out six dollars worth of batteries versus when you burn out eighty cents worth of batteries. So, Albert, what crossed your desk this
1: week? Um, nothing spectacular. Um, um, mostly just regular just regular stamps that uh, i and We had a I had a couple of, eye, of uh, three cent iGrills grills on cover that passed your mind desk that that were uh, that were genuine. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but they're actually much more common on cover than people really think. But it's it's just, uh, it, was, it was fun to see them and then count the grill points and make sure that it was an I grill as opposed to an H grill.
2: Why don't you uh, discuss the grills just a little bit? So how, what was your process? Because you're looking at the front of the stamp, not the back, because it's on cover. So how did you identify well, the grill points and stuff? like well, that? Well first of
1: all, I, well, I actually counted the points and then actually looked and see with an eye grill, we're looking for strong impression. it's got to have the correct measurements. It can't be like an H grill where you've got where you only have one row of points or two rows of points. To really properly identify an eye grill, it has to have to have the correct number of points horizontally and the correct number of points vertically. And also it should be it should be well impressed into the stamp. And in both cases, it it fit the criteria and matched my reference.
2: Just curious, what values were they?
1: They're just the most common, the three, center. the three centers. Yeah. But the, the, what 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 was nice is they were on cover. Yeah. That was what was nice about them. The covers weren't particularly interesting. Uh, one was used out of a small town out of Nevada, so That's I was. That's interesting. Jim should like it. Well, and then there was. Uh, I do. <laughs> and uh, um, and the other was from a small small city in Connecticut. The cover was sent to Maine, but it was it was the kind of thing that you you would find at a show, or you might you might just get lucky and find in somebody's stock.
2: I will be honest. I go to uh, the Arcadia show, and Joel Weinstein is there, and he has dollar covers, and every single three cent banknote. I hold to the light, see if I can see grill points. I search them, and I have found them.
3: Uh, uh, something else while we're talking about the grills is we also had a couple of stamps come through um, recently um, that were sent in as H-grills, but one of them was an I-grill. And um, the H-grill that I called uh, an H-grill was one of those, like Albert was talking about, where there wasn't enough points. It it wasn't impressed strong enough to tell for sure, and that defaults to the H-grill. Because it's the lesser of the two in catalog value. Yep. So that's something to look for when you're looking at grills on the banknote issues.
2: So, Jim, what crossed your desk this week?
3: That. (laughs) That. I also uh, was talking to Albert. We had an official, uh, Philippines official, um, with the Victory overprint. uh, Not the overprint, but the Victory hand stamp. Um and yeah, i found it very interesting we, d- we had a discussion about this because the um overprint on the stamp the official business overprint goes on was on the stamp when the victory overprint was um, added and the victory overprint was a hand stamp it has very distinct characteristics this was obviously correct hand stamp but i noticed that the um it looked like black ink was over the violet
1: uh, oh.
3: from the uh, hand stamp and that
2: would make it fake
3: well you would think so but um, in discussing it we did Albert pointed out and you could correct me if I'm wrong on this Albert but that um, the viscosity of the hand stamp ink is such that it just disappears on the black so if you have anything like that and want it expertized, we're here.
1: Famous expert named Herbert Block taught me years ago that you can't look at when one ink is on top of the other, you can't tell which ink is on top of the other because of the different viscosities of the ink.
3: Now, is that, does that also apply for cancellations?
1: Perhaps. I, all I can all I can tell you is the, the, the stamping question that, that Mr. Block and I were talking about, was Canal, Canal Zone 15, which was uh, the eight cent overprint, that stamp that now cats a couple yeah. thousand dollars right. and was frequently counterfeited by the Mexican, uh, the, uh, the faker in Merida, De and, Marita, uh, Dethwane, and uh, that the APS bought out in 1966 and put out the book. And uh, I used to own the block that, uh, that he made that had on the back uh, collection Dr. Leroy. Unfortunately, it was stolen from my office in 2005. And I understand it actually got broken up, and they were, some of them were sold on eBay. No. But that was, the fir- that was the discussion that I had. And then I know I talked with him about the victory over prints, and the same, he made the same point.
3: That, that the viscosity of the ink just didn't penetrate. The
1: it, it's, you, you can't tell which ink is on top of the other. We had well, a,
2: there is no ink on top of the other ink, is what you're saying, is because the ink hits the black and then pulls off it. So it's right. not that the black is on top of the purple; it's that there is no purple there whatsoever.
3: Right. We had a we conducted a little experiment since we're talking about overprints and postmarks and in ink uh, with retro reveal. Um, we tried to because the retro reveal has a three D dimensional image that is produced. Um, and I had a couple of uh, fake Kansas, Nebraska overprints, but they were unused stamps. And so we pulled a couple out that, uh, because of the overprint, we, we knew it was one of the counterfeit overprints. So we did, tried to determine whether it would t- show in retro reveal as um, one ink on top of the other. And basically, the conclusion was we couldn't tell.
2: Retro reveal reveal helps a lot. Yeah. But it's not perfect. It's not anywhere close to
3: perfect. Well, and it goes back to what we're talking about, I think, is the fact that you just can't tell one ink that's on top of the other.
2: So, Mark, what crossed your desk?
0: Uh, Well, over the weekend, I played a lot with um, some special handling stamps. I have like a little horde of special handling stamps. This is QE1 to QE4 the 10 cent to 25 cent. And, um, it's a, uh, it's, it's a really cool little, um, little area of, of collecting, uh, QE one to QE three. Uh, there were three different printings, one in 1928 on special booklet paper. Um, then again in 1940, um, which was also a wet printing, but not special booklet paper. And then again in 1955, uh, a dry printing, um, the, um, the most common is the is is the, uh, is the 1940 issue, and the and the Scott catalog was recently renumbered, um, and so th- to um, to um, you know separate these, these three out. But what's interesting about these three printings is they're all different sizes. Um, each one is a different size from the other, and that's one of the ways you can tell besides the the shade. the uh, The 1928 printings are all kind of a uniform yellow green. The 1955s are all kind of a uniform light green, really interesting shade. Um, but the 1940s, there's there's actually different shades, mm. and different gum varieties too. Um, but uh, but they they are very inexpensive, which makes it uh, kind of fun to try and collect. You know, if you're going to a show, you know you can you know you can you can try and put together a collection of these, and and it may not be that easy. You know, even though they're they're inexpensive, they're some of the uh, some of the shades, the 1955 shades, especially are hard to find, and I think the catalog value is hasn't really caught up with with you know the scarcity of these things. Aren't um, those aren't
3: those 1955 issues more um, valuable used?
0: Uh, They're I think less found. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, they are. They are uh, uh, quite a bit more valuable used, um, and I don't think you'd have an issue with. Um, with getting them certified used either because the shade is so distinct. Yeah,
3: right.
0: So um, then, you, and then the QE4 uh, is the the twenty five cent. There's only two different printings there. Uh, there's no special book booklet paper there. It's just the the first issue, nineteen twenty five, which is a deep green, and then uh, the nineteen twenty eight, a uh, yellow green. So those two are very distinctive colors. They're kind of uniform colors. But um, but the 1925 issue, the deep green, you've got some plate varieties, um, where you've got the uh, AT of states joined at the top, or the TA of postage joined at the top, um, uh, also a dot on the second T on on the in states. Um, so there's some there's some uh, the, you know those are a little bit more scarce to to find, but. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a fun area.
1: Those stamps used on cover or on cover pieces or package pieces are very scarce.
2: Yep. That's what I'm looking for is um, during the 1940s and 1950s, they shipped a lot of chickens, a lot, huge, huge, huge numbers. And they would put them in these boxes, and they would put a tag on it, and then they would put either a special handling stamp or, or it would be marked special handling or something. People know I collect chicken stamps. Uh, that's one of the key pieces that I'm really looking for is a special handling tag for chickens. And it doesn't have to have a special handling stamp. It could just, I mean, I don't care if it has a meter on it. But that's one of the things I'm looking for.
1: It could have a spe- It could have a red special handling label.
2: Yeah. Well, today they still ship chickens um they have a special priority box and so this the priority box has nothing marking it it's just you know a special handling priority box and since it's a you know it's a 12 inch by 12 inch by five inch box it doesn't fit well into an exhibit it won't it won't you can't put it on an exhibit page
0: i was at a post office when somebody was picking one of those up and that box was making a lot of noise. <laughs>
1: so they're so they're sh- they're shipping chicks, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Yeah, they've done yeah. that for a very, very long time. Not just chicks, but turkeys and ducks. And but it doesn't matter, you know, if if I get one and it's for ducks instead of chickens, it's still going in my exhibit. All
0: right. So if you tell your spouse, "Yeah, I'm just headed to the post office and pick up some chicks," you know, <laughs> it may not be that. Uh, that bad
2: oh that's wordplay isn't it (laughs) Uh, by the way speaking about wordplay you found a word today
0: oh yeah yeah we were looking up uh here here in las vegas we're very concerned about formula one um because it's a uh, (laughs) because it's it's very inconvenient for the people that live here but um but formula one where um it's there's they actually hold the event and like 24 different places around the world during a year. So you know, for us, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's 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 such a it's such a big event. But really, we're just one of you know 24 cities. But on the um, on the calendar of Formula One, they have they list all the cities and all the uh, and the countries where it, where it's going to happen. And on Las Vegas, they've got an asterisk. Uh, and then the asterisk, they say it's subject to FIA circuit homology, homologation. And we were like, what is homologation?
2: Homologation.
0: Yeah, so we uh, so we looked it up, and homologation is the granting of approval by an official authority.
2: So homologation is a new word for the day. Hey, right. that really fits into our business. Yeah. How
3: does it fit into our we're, business? We're
2: the experts.
3: Oh. We're the officials. Oh, yeah. so right. every, every time we expertise a stamp, we're homologating.
1: So do we are do we come, become are we becoming the society of homologists? Yeah. <laughs> you're a homologator. Right. Well if i if, if <laughs> we
2: need to change it from PSE to PSH. Yes. Professional stamp hum- homologators.
0: Homologators. Well i i just don't uh, want to issue a, just a soft warning to the people of, uh, of Formula 1 officials if you're if you're thinking about uh you know, maybe not uh, granting authority. Uh, understand there's a lot of places where people are buried around Las Vegas <laughs> desert. Um, so uh, with all the money we've put into it and all the uh, heartache, that would, uh, that would not be a thing that you should it, do.
3: The, the old joke is, the hills are alive on the resurrection day around Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, on that, keep collecting. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining
3: the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support
2: is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs) Because you don't put that on the letter oh well you could you could yeah you could yeah
3: well kids that's all the time we have for today i'd like to thank sideshow mel corporal punishment tina ballerina oh and from not planning miss donna mills oh she was a sport we've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun but now the time has come to go. If this still comes was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show.
0: See you some other time!
1: Yeah! <laughs> Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.